Um, well, good morning to all in Europe. Good afternoon to our colleagues in Seoul and a warm welcome to all participants in uh, this morning's webinar. Uh, we have an interpreter, Crystal, with us today who will offer consecutive translation uh, from Korean to English during the webinar and, and who will offer simultaneous translation from English to Korean uh, for colleagues gathered in Seoul. I'm the head of indices for the DN group, and my first task today is to introduce our distinguished speakers today, Vice Mayor for the Metropolitan Government, uh, Professor Yang, Chairman of the Financial Industry Policy Committee of Seoul Metropolitan Government, and of course, our Executive Chairman, uh, Professor. The programme for the session is here on the slide. Um, we'll aim to have some time for questions uh, by the end of the session. And you can ask questions by typing them, which is in the webinar dashboard um, at the side of your screen. Putting questions at any time during the event, question uh, time, uh, we'll uh, manage those between us as a panel. But that's all I want to do by way of um, preamble. Uh, without further delay, I'd like to introduce Mr. Kim, uh, Vice Mayor of Seoul Metropolitan, to offer his welcome. Mr. Kim will be followed by a presentation from Professor Jang. Uh, Mr. Kim, over to you. Hi, everyone. Uh, distinguished guests, I am Kim Uyseung, Deputy Mayor for Economy at the Seoul Metropolitan Government. I'd like to express my sincere congratulations to GN Group for hosting the GFCI 28 launched together with SMG. It gives me great pleasure to extend my gratitude and warm welcome uh, to financial experts from around the world and the warm, uh, and all other persons concerned for your attendance. I would like especially like to thank Professor Mr. Michael Mainelli, Executive Chairman of GN, and Mr. Michael Wardle for making preparations for this wonderful event. As all of you are well aware, we are currently faced with a, an unprecedented challenge, the explosive growth of COVID-19 cases and its impact to our daily lives have tipped the global economy into a recession. Fortunately, SMG's every endeavor to tackle the crisis is meeting with success. Voluntary quarantine efforts by citizens, such as wearing masks in public, and rigorous investigations on confirmed cases have kept daily new cases under 100 in this large capital city of 10 million population. Not once has Seoul's financial engine ceased operation since the outbreak of COVID-19. SMG has availed this opportunity to take a bold measure aimed at strengthening its financial competitiveness over a period, period of next four years, about 16 million US dollars will be invested in fostering innovative financial experts equipped with digital skills in the areas of AI, big data, machine learning, and more. The goal of which is for SMG to build up uh, human resources in the financial sector. As a matter of fact, uh, 142 persons have already enrolled in a digital financial MBA program or a non-degree specialist program and have begun their studies. Uh, SMZ is also scaling up the Seoul FinTech Lab so as to accelerate financial innovation through FinTech. 30 or more FinTech startups will be recruited and once the work is complete, we will witness the creation of a colossal fintech ecosystem accommodating 100 startups and 1,000 people. Aside from digital financial innovation, SMZ will make more efforts going forward to become more attractive to leading financial institutions overseas. One of that plans is to create and operate a space dedicated for business networking where foreign financial institutions tapping into SMG can work or hold meetings or seminars. 
However, uh, I have to say that Seoul still has a long way to go to become an international financial city. In particular, uh, questions still remain as to what direction many of cities should be headed in hereafter. Hopefully, GFCI 28 will serve as a meaningful occasion to guide not only Seoul, but also all financial cities across the globe to the right direction. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, ladies and gen gentlemen. I am Bamsik Zhang, Chairman of the Financial Industry Policy Community of the Seoul Metropolitan Government. I would like to thank everyone for taking part in today's launch of Global Financial Centers Index 28, or GFCI. 아, 그, 아, GFCI 28 아, 결과 분석을 발표하기에 앞서서 아, 오늘 저는 서울시의 그동안 최근에 있었던 금융산업 정책의 주요한 사항들을 여러분들에게 말씀드리고자 합니다. 아, 저는 오늘 이 행사가 서울 금융중심지 정책을 아, 전 세계에 알려드리는 소중한 기회로 활용될 수 있기를 희망합니다. Before announcing the results and analysis of this GFCI 28, I would like to first give you the overview of financial policies of the Seoul Metropolitan Government. I hope you, as well as the world, will gain more understanding about the financial center's policy of the Seoul Metropolitan Government. Thank you. Next page, please. Uh, 말씀드리고 싶은 것은 서울의 금융 환경에 대해서 말씀드리고자 합니다. 우선 아, 자본시장 제도 선진화가 꾸준히 지속이 되었습니다. 그리고 인프라 조성을 통한 아, 서울 금융 산업이 지속적 성장이 이루어졌다는 것을 말씀드리고 싶습니다. 우선 주식시장 시가 총액은 We will catch the slides up as soon as we can. 네, 다음 장으로 넘어가 주시기 바랍니다. Uh, we will go ahead with the presentation. Okay, we'll go ahead with the presentation. And 자본시장 선진화, 아, 그 선진화 제도와 관련해서는 우선 주식시장 시가 총액은 2013년도에 1,305억 달러에서 2019년도에는 1조 7,170억 달러로 크게 성장을 했습니다. 특히 외국인 주식의 보유액 증가는 2013년도에 431조 원에서 2019년 말 기준으로는 562조에 달해서 전체 지금 현재 2019년 말 기준으로는 외국인들은 약 33%에 해당되는 한국 주식을 보유하고 있습니다. 연금 부분에서도 커다란... Introduce the financial environment in Seoul and explain efforts and achievements made. By creating infrastructure for the financial sector and advancing financial market institutes institutions, Seoul is growing continuously. As for the market cap, it was in 2013, 130.5 billion US dollars which increased to $1.77 trillion in 2019. As for the foreign holdings of the Korean stock, it was 431 trillion one in 2013, which increased to 562 trillion one in 2019. So as of end of 2019, you can say that the foreign holding of the Korean stock is 33%. 아, 연금 부분에 있어서는 커다란 변화가 있었습니다. 연금 자산 규모로 아, 서울은 세계, 세계 3위의 아, 금융시장의 규모를 가지고 있습니다. 1위가 일본이고요. 2위가 노르웨이고 3위 한국은 5,730억 불의 연금 자산 규모를 
자랑하고 있고요. 2019년 기준으로는 운용 자산이 730조 원을 돌파를 했습니다. 그리고 핀테크 산업에 있어서도 지속적 성장이 이루어져서 2019년 4월에는 금융혁신지원특별법 규제 샌드박스를 제정을 했고 그 기업 숫자도 2011년에 62개에서 2019년 말에는 303개 투자액도 1조 9천억 원에 이르면서 관련 일자리만 1만 7천여 개를 창출했습니다. 말씀해 주시죠. And as for the pensions, we have seen a drastic change in the pension fund management amount. So Korea has the third largest pension fund behind Japan and Norway. And as of 2019, the pension fund exceeded 330 trillion Korean won. And the Special Act on Support for Financial Innovation, the so-called Regulation Sandbox, was enacted in April 2019, which accelerated the growth of the fintech industry. And now uh, we have 303 fintech firms in Korea with an accumulated investment exceeding 1.9 trillion Korean won. Uh... 두 번째 말씀드리고 싶은 것은 서울이 지속 가능하고 안전한 금융도시라는 것을 말씀드리고 싶습니다. 아, COVID-19에 대응하는 과정에서 대한민국 서울 정부는 신속과 투명이라는 원칙, 협력과 연대, 혁신과 창의, 시민참여의 네 가지 핵심 전략에 기초해서 코로나19 감염 사태에 아, 아주 신속하게 대응을 한바 있습니다. 예를 들자면 드라이브스루 진료소를 운영을 했었고요. 철저한 역학조사와 전국민 의료보험에 기반한 즉시 치료를 지원함으로써 누적 확진자 수를 일정 규모 아래인 4,900명 정도에 묶어놓을 수 있었고요. 일별 신규 확진자도 100명 이하를 현재 유지를 하고 있습니다. 일상과 방역이 함께 지켜지는 안전한 도시로서의 서울을 유지할 수 있었습니다. 코로나19 상황에서도 멈추지 않은 서울 금융산업의 동력은 여러 곳에서 나타나고 있습니다. 우선 서비스업 생산지수 가운데 금융보험 부분에 있어서는 지난해 동월 대비해서 15%의 증가가 있었다는 말씀을 드립니다. 말씀해 주세요. I would like to also emphasize the fact that Seoul is becoming a sustainable and safe financial city. And we have based uh, our response to COVID-19 on four strategies, which is speed and transparency, cooperation and solidarity, innovation and creativity, and citizen participation. We have implemented drive-through testing centers. We have conducted very strict epidemiological studies we have uh, rolled out or applied the universal uh, medical care system to provide actual treatment to the confirmed uh, patients. So as of today, an accumulated number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Korea stands at around 4,900. We have managed to control uh, this level under 100 on a daily basis. So you can say that we Seoul has managed to strike the balance between our quarantine measures as well as the everyday life of our citizens. And as for the dynamics of our financial market or sector, in terms of the service indexes or indices for finance and insurance, we have seen an increase of 15% from the same month of the previous year. 아, 세 번째로는 디지털 금융을 통한 혁신 도시로서의 서울에 대하여 아, 말씀드리겠습니다. 서울 핀테크 생태계의 핵심인 서울 핀테크 랩은 아, 발족한 이래 지금 현재 100개의 기업이 입주를 해 있고요. 1000명의 근무 공간으로 확대된 상황입니다. 2019년 말 기준으로 해서 서울 핀테크 랩의 아, 실적을 잠깐 말씀드리면 아, 현재 전체 투자 규모는 약 4,100만 불, 그리고 846명이 고용되어 있고, 그 다음에 전체 매출 규모는 약 4,000만 불에 이르고 있습니다. 
현재 서울시는 포스트 코로나 시기를 준비를 위한 대규모 핀테크 투자를 지속하고 있습니다. 아, 서울시 주관하에 혁신 성장 펀드와 같은 성장 펀드와 같은 민간 지원 활용을 통해서 핀테크 기업에 3년간 투자를 지속하고 아, 지속할 계획으로 있습니다. 그래서 2020년과 2022년 동안에 약 2,100억 원 정도의 투자를 계획을 하고 있습니다. R&D 측면에 있어서도 비대면 인증이라든지 보안 등 코로나19 이후에 수요가 증가한 핀테크 R&D 기술 개발 지원을 아, 향후 3년간 총 30, 30개의 과제에 걸쳐서 60억 원을 지원할 계획으로 있습니다. 말씀해 주십시오. Seoul is also focusing its efforts in promoting digital finance. It launched the Seoul Fintech Lab, or Fintech Lab Seoul, which hosts about 100 uh, companies where 1,000 workers are working. I would like to share with you the results of operating this Fintech Lab Seoul as of end of 2019. So we have seen an investment of 41 million US dollars in this lab, and we created 846 jobs with a generated revenue or sales of 40 million US dollars. And uh, there's been a massive uh, investment uh, through the fund uh, that is linked to promote the finance sector. And uh, this investment uh, will span about three years with uh, one, uh, 210 billion Korean won going from 2020 2000 until 2022. And Seoul is also expanding its efforts to provide support for the R&D sector or the fourth industrial revolution, smart technologies, including content-free authentication and security services. So we are investing six billion, we will be implementing six billion Korean won worth of projects, which stands at 30 projects going over the next three years. Uh... 다음으로는 금융교육도시로서의 서울시정부가 아, 그동안 들여왔던 노력들을 말씀드리고 싶습니다. 특히 2020년에는 서울시정부와 서울특별시와 금융위원회 그리고 카이스트 주관 아래서 향후 4년간 190억 원을 투입을 해가지고 아, 디지털 금융전문대학원을 아, 지금 운영하고 있습니다. 바로 직전 9월 22일 날 아, 개원식을 가졌습니다. 디지털 금융 전문대학원은 두 가지 큰 과정으로 구성되어 있습니다. 첫 번째 것은 디지털 MBA이고요. 아, 이것은 학위 과정입니다. 약 2년 정도의 교육 기간에 걸쳐서 아, 서울시는 약 80명 내외에 아, 연 80명 내외 교육 인원들을 배출하고자 합니다. 과정 구성도 특히 디지털 금융의 특화 과정이나 현장 적용 프로젝트, 해외 현장 학습을 통해서 다양한 지금 현재 디지털과 관련된 인공지능, 데이터 사이언스, 핀텍, 파이낸셜 인베스트먼트, 에센 매니지먼트와 같은 이런 부분들을 구성을 해서 학위 과정을 운영하고 있습니다. 동시에 디지털 금융 전문가 과정을 운영을 해서 약연 160명 정도를 교육시키고 전체 과정당 한 4과정 정도에 있어서 40명 내외로 구성되어 있습니다. 과정 구성도 우리가 알고 있는 디지털 트랜스포메이션, 클라우드 컴퓨팅, 빅데이터, 블록체인, 클라우드 컴퓨팅 모든 이런 과정들을 통과하면서 여의도의 여의도를 포함한 서울시의 모든 금융인들을 대상으로 이러한 비학위 과정을 금년에 담대하게 모니칭을 했습니다. 말씀해 주시죠. Seoul is also working very hard to invest in the finance or financial education. So in 2020, uh, with the collaboration of the Seoul city government, uh, the FSC, as well as KAIST, we have opened up a financial graduate school. So it plan we plan to invest 19 billion Korean won over the next four years in this digital uh, educational program. And the graduate school was opened uh, in September 22nd this year. The graduate school provides two types of programs. First is an MBA program, which is a degree program of two years. We plan to nurture or um, educate 80 uh, people uh, over the next two years. 
So the program includes courses uh, focusing on digital finance, uh, as well as some practical um, field experience, as well as overseas study experience programs and overseas exchange programs. And the topics that it will deal with are digital transformation, AI, data science, uh, IoT, asset management, and so forth. So that was for the uh, degree program. But we also offer a non-degree program in fostering financial experts. So we plan to uh, nurture 160 uh, experts uh, through this program. And uh, it will be uh, 40 people uh, in four different courses. And uh, we will, in that way, uh, nurture a lot of financial uh, talents and skilled uh, workers in Seoul. 아, 다음으로는 글로벌 네트워킹 도시로서의 서울시가 해외 금융기업에 다양한 서비스를 제공하고 있는 부분을 말씀드리겠습니다. 우선 서울 금융중심지에 진입하는 국내 금융기관에게 업무 공간을 지원하기 위해서 서울국제금융오피스를 개설을 했습니다. 예컨대 미국의 셀레년 자산운용사나 싱가포르의 KCA 파트너스, 중국의 유니언 시즌 홀딩스와 같은 이러한 금융회사들이 현재 입주해 있습니다. 동시에 서울시는 서울 금융 네트워킹 공간으로서 서울을 방문하는 모든 국내외 금융기관 종사자들에게 공유 공간을 제공을 하고 이런 세미나실, 회의실, 라운지, 국제 회의장 등을 아, 그러한 장소로서 활용될 수 있도록 다양한 공간 서비스를 제공하고 있습니다. 말씀해 주십시오. Seoul is also uh, trying to become a financial city of global networking or facilitating global networking. So the Seoul Metropolitan Government has set up Seoul International Financial Office and its networking space. So we will provide networking spaces for financial institutions, especially global financial institution workers or personnel who will be visiting Korea. And as for the U.S. Selenium or the KCA Partners of Singapore and Union Season Holdings of China, they have uh, already moved in to, to this uh, uh, international finance office. And Seoul city government is also trying to provide a lot of financial uh, working spaces to many financial uh, workers, including spaces for seminars, uh, conferences, as well as a lounge. So we are operating this uh, shared workspace service as well. 네. 그니만는 Seoul will continue to work hard to become a global financial city with relentless innovation and change. I would like to once again thank the ZN Group for organizing today's GFCI 28 launch event. Thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you very much indeed, Professor Jiang, for that. Uh... A uh, brilliant presentation giving us an overview um, of how things are um, now in Seoul. <clears throat> um, the next task is for uh, me uh, to present to you um, the <coughs> GFCI 28 results. And the Global Financial Centers Index uh, is part of the ZN Long Finance Program, um, through which we research uh, finance, sustainability, economics, uh, technology, and science. Uh, including our research into financial centers and what makes financial centers competitive um, and and work. The GFCI is a factor assessment index. Um, this means that we combine two different types of data. Uh, first of all, quantitative data series, the instrumental factors in the index, um, that measure aspects of economic um, and uh, business performance of countries and cities. Second, survey assessments provided um, by you know, finance professionals across the world. And we use a machine learning algorithm to combine those two types of data uh, into a single rating uh, of center's progress. For GFCI 28, we researched 121 centers, um, of which 111 um, are uh, in, in the feature in the index itself. 
Um, they are spread widely across the world, um, and we're very pleased that we have such uh, a global spread. Respondents to the GFCI survey, uh, first of all, are drawn from a wide range of sectors in financial services, banking, finance, fintech, government, um, investment management, insurance. And we're very pleased that we have a, a, a broad range of respondents. In terms of the location of respondents, the majority of people who respond to our survey are from Asia Pacific. I think it shows the great interest that people um, in the uh, that region of the world um, have in uh, financial development. Um, and indeed, it's been one of the stories of the Global Financial Centers Index over time that Asia Pacific centers have continued to join the index uh, and to develop. So in uh, GFCI 28, this is a uh, table showing the top 25 centers with New York uh, continuing to come first in the index, uh, but London making up a lot of ground in terms of its rating uh, compared with London, uh, compared with New York uh, in this edition of the index compared with GFCI 27, which we published in March. Um, the top 10 centers in the index all rose in their ratings um, in this edition, suggesting there was confidence in these centers, uh, even during the challenges faced by, uh, faced by them in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, outside the top 10, however, uh, many centers in the index, not just in the top 25, but throughout the index, uh, fell back in the ratings, suggesting that there is something at the moment which is uh, giving people less confidence in financial centers than before. And this may be related to uh, the uncertainties produced uh, by the COVID-19 situation, uh, the expectation of economic disruption, um, and some of the other um, disruptive factors around trade um, and uh, social issues uh, that we see in various parts of the world. Uh, Shanghai took third place in this edition from Tokyo, um, reversing the positions in GFCI 27, but only one point in the ratings between those two centers. Uh, as it was the other way around in GFCI 27. Um, Hong Kong and Singapore follow close behind. Um, Seoul, I'm very pleased to say on this occasion, moved up eight places in the rankings to take 25th place uh, in the GFCI 28. And my congratulations uh, to colleagues in Seoul uh, for that performance. We can look at the ratings of the top five centers in each region. Uh, over time. Um, and the real story here is there are three leading regions, um, Asia Pacific um, coming top, Western Europe and North America. Um, and those three um, increasing slightly their average ratings for the top five centers um, in this edition. Um, other regions have fallen back. As I said, most centers uh, in the index this time have fallen back in the ratings. Um, and that's particularly true in centers outside those uh, leading three groups. In terms of the top five centers and their ratings over time, um, you'll see, uh, as I mentioned, that uptick um, in this edition of the index for the top top centers. Um, but also you'll see that over time, the performance of the centers has narrowed um, very much. Um, it, it was the case that New York and London were um, out ahead. Um, they're very much more closely aligned now uh, at the top of the index. In terms of ranking, um, the uh, story here uh, is really about the growth um, of uh, Shanghai, I guess, over time. Uh, New York and London still take the top placings. Uh, Shanghai, for the first time, has moved into third place in the rankings. And you'll see from the, um, the purple line um, on this graph that Shanghai's performance over time just demonstrates, I think, the strength of the Chinese economy um, and the consequent importance of Shanghai as a financial center as things have moved forward. I'm going to talk about each of the regions in a little more detail. Um, in, in Western Europe, ratings for centers in this region um, did fall overall, um, but by less on average than they did for the uh, index as a whole. Uh, leading European, Western European centers, as you'll see from this chart, um, continue to perform well. Uh, and London, I've already mentioned, made up considerable ground against New York in this edition of the index. Uh, in Asia Pacific, there was a more mixed performance. Um, 10 centers fell 
in the ratings with 14 improving. Um, Taipei, Chengdu and Qingdao all rose more than 30 places in the rankings, as I've already mentioned, amongst the leading centers in Asia Pacific, uh, Seoul rose eight ranking points, uh, which was a very uh, good performance. Uh, in North America, uh, North America showed least uh, volatility in the ratings, uh, falling only 1.3% on average in the uh, ratings uh, in GFCI 28. Um, six North American centers are now in the top 20 of the GFCI, um, and North American continues to be um, a very strong region in terms of its financial performance, both in the US uh, and indeed in Canada. Um, Eastern Europe and Central Asia, all centers in this region uh, fell back in the ratings um, quite sharply um, in, in GFCI 28. Um, and so I think there, there's a lack of potentially lack of confidence um, in uh, centers in this region. Um, having said that, Moscow, Istanbul, Athens all rose in the rankings, um, so they were comparatively more successful um, than some other centres. Attention to the Middle East and Africa. Um, there again was um, a mixed performance, but all centres uh, fell in the ratings. Um, the, the winners in this sense were Abu Dhabi, who rose six places in the rankings, um, Mauritius and Cape Town. Um, but on the whole, again, performance in Middle East and Africa uh, was slightly disappointing. And similarly, in Latin America and the Caribbean, um, while a lot of um, the centers here rose in the rankings, um, they, they fell in the ratings. Um, and the average rating fall in this region was 8%, uh, which is more than the average for the index overall. Um, so the message from all of this, I think, is that there has been um, you know, quite mixed results this time. Um, but there's a real difference between the three leading regions, Western Europe, Asia Pacific, North America, and the other regions of the world which have seen uh, worse performance in this edition of the index, uh, which is probably related to people's view about how the COVID-19 crisis uh, will affect the economies of uh, different parts of the world moving forward. I want to turn to the instrumental factors, the quantitative measures that underlie the GFCI model. Um, we organize these into five areas, um, and the, those areas are um, <clears throat> areas of competitiveness which we think are important um, for the development of financial centers. Um, what we can then do is to run the index model uh, using just the um, quantitative measures which relates to those um, parts of the business, so business environment, human capital, infrastructure separately. Uh, this gives different rankings to the main index um, and really shows the strengths um, of some individual centers. So while somewhere like New York uh, is strong across all areas of development, um, some centers, for example, uh, Geneva for business environment, um, score a lot higher than the overall GFCI index rating, um, giving a sense that uh, they have a particular strength uh, in that area. We use the range and spread of assessments um, from financial professionals in other centers um, and the range of instrumental factor scores uh, to classify centers according to whether they are global, international, local, and to assess whether they are leaders uh, with breadth and depth in financial services, diversified, which means they have good breadth of services, specialist centers, uh, which, are, uh, which have particular uh, strengths um, or developing centers. Seoul, for example, stands in this classification as a global diversified center. Uh, so a good spread of financial services, um, good spread of indicators, um, and uh, well connected across the world. We also then look at the data and run the model using um, only the responses to the GFCI survey that we receive from people working uh, in different parts of financial services, banking, investment management, insurance, et cetera. Um, this allows us to look at industry, industry sector sub-indices. Um, and on this measure, uh, interestingly, Shanghai, for example, takes the top place uh, in insurance, which means that those people working in insurance across the whole world uh, rated Shanghai very well um, compared with people working in other sectors. Um, you'll see that Seoul again features here 
uh, in insurance at uh, 12th ranking place uh, compared with 25th place overall in the index. And so this again gives a really useful indication to financial centers um, on where their strengths sit um, and where perhaps they need to do um, some development. Looking at um, reputational advantage, uh, this is a measure we use of taking the overall result of the GFCI um, with the assessments um, which have been given to in our GFCI survey um, and comparing the two. Um, places with a positive reputation advantage, and this uh, slide shows the top 15 centers in terms of reputation advantage. Um, we think are probably being scored by people. They're being rated by people in our questionnaire um, higher than the underlying uh, quantitative data suggests they might be. Um, because of reputational reasons, of course, uh, places like New York, London, Shanghai, the leading centers in the index, uh, do have a good reputation and appear on this list. Um, but there are other centers here um, where the message, I think, is that they need to think about the underlying uh, strength of the ecosystem of their financial services. Um, in order to demonstrate uh, their performing as well as their reputation would suggest. At the other end of this, um, this mix are those people who have a reputational disadvantage, a negative reputational advantage in the index. This again uh, shows people um, where actually the quantitative data shows they're probably doing better than their reputation as measured by the results from uh, the GFCI survey. Um, so somewhere like uh, Mumbai or Jakarta, uh, we think are underperforming against their uh, underperforming in reputational terms, and they have a marketing task uh, to take on in order to improve. Um, I'd like to um, move on now to invite Professor Michael Manelli, Executive Chairman of the ZN Group, uh, to offer some observations and comments um, on uh, other aspects of the GFCI uh, in this occasion. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Kim. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Kim, Professor Jong, and Mike. Um, I think all of us will be remembering 2020 uh, as the year of COVID. Uh, and you might find that for somebody like me who's been looking at this index uh, for the last 15 years, uh, every six months, that I find this a bit dull and boring. But I will certainly remember 2020 as a year that the index has changed uh, somewhat, somewhat markedly and make some speculative comments. I'd like to talk briefly uh, about FinTech work patterns and regions. So uh, this slide here will show you our GFCI FinTech uh, rating. Now, we have a, another index, the Smart Centers Index, which looks at science and technology in the round, but this is a, a focus in on FinTech. And I think what we're seeing here is a rise in potentially the uh, centers that come out of multi uh, multi-center financial center countries, so a federal country like Canada or America or whatever, may well be rising. So if you look at this slide, you'll notice in China, which has uh, 13 centers in the index, Shenzhen and Hong Kong coming up. If you look at America, San Francisco and Boston moving up. If you look at the UK, Edinburgh. So in these multi-center regions, we may be seeing a, a flight of the technology component of financial services to smaller, uh, perhaps better quality of life as the increasing digitalization means they don't need to be so uh, co-located with the direct financial services themselves. You might also note uh, in Professor Jong's presentation, uh, he pointed out the efforts that uh, Seoul has made, which are bearing fruit in FinTech, having risen nine points in the ranking in what is a more unitary country uh, like Korea. This next slide looks at some of the characteristics of FinTech. And here you'll see uh, two spider diagrams. Uh, on the left, we look at the types of activity that <clears throat> constitute fintech. Uh, it's very clear that people are looking for big data, payment transaction services, cybersecurity, and to a lesser degree, credit risk. I might point out we are anticipating a, an enormous increase in online machine learning based tools uh, for conferences such as this simply because the quantity of information being recorded about human interactions via video conferencing has clearly exploded over the last six months. Uh, and this may be an important feature in the way that uh, FinTech moves forward in terms of coming, overcoming some of the reduced human interactions, which have long been seen 
to be fundamental to finance. On the right, you'll see a spider diagram looking at some of the elements of fintech. And I would just highlight access to finance, availability of skilled staff. You would expect that. Um, but the third one is an ecosystem or cluster that actually encourages uh, technology and finance to work together. And here, I, I would uh, definitely draw attention uh, to some of the things that Professor Zhang emphasized, the work that they've been doing, laying in a ground, uh, a foundation of educational support and encouraging the networking connections without necessarily going into direct subsidy, an area which we've typically seen doesn't work. So the role of government is becoming clearer in nurturing uh, fintech and uh, government nurturing fintech can make significant results within a policy framework of support uh, without direct subsidy. The next slide uh, looks at some of the future work patterns uh, after COVID-19. Well, we're all going to be guessing here for some time, uh, but I must say that the sentiment is extremely strong that working from home is here to stay, certainly in financial services and possibly even more in technology uh, if one wishes to split the two. So in surveys, people are expecting virtually no change, uh, expecting the time spent on client premises, which is typically about 20% of the time, but the other 80% is up for grabs and the existing 20% shift from office to home is expected to continue. In fact, it's even stronger than that when you talk to the chief executives. Uh, we surveyed approximately 135 chief executives last month and 84% of them expected home, working from home to increase. So if the bosses are leading in that direction, there's fundamental change yet to come. If we look at this slide uh, that follows, it's the future work patterns, and it's looking here at uh, some of the regional results. Uh, Mike uh, pointed out uh, Western Europe uh, earlier as being a, a region that's done reasonably well uh, through all of this. Western Europe also stands out on working from home. Uh, there, we're looking at people anticipating about 60% of their time in the future working from home, and that's uh, significantly higher than the next region. Uh, which is North America, uh, perhaps because uh, COVID-19 hasn't had quite uh, the impact in Asia. Asia seems to be looking at more of a, of a return to normal, a return to what, what things were like uh, in 2019. If we turn to the, the following slide, I just wanted to talk for a moment uh, about uh, financial centers and their strengths. Uh, we've used this slide often. You can't be an international center without international people. Successful people want to live in the place. It needs to be cosmopolitan. It needs to build a reputation over some period of time. And trust is what holds it all together. But a lot of this was predicated upon uh, physical interactions amongst people. And it is notable that the economic hit to the cities in which the financial centers are located correlates uh, in a, almost an exponential way with the degree of commuting. So, for example, uh, London and New York have had a pretty terrible time during COVID. And yet, uh, the Southeast England or the New York cluster in financial services have done very well. In fact, they've had bumper years. So we're seeing a, a tremendous change in what we mean by a financial center uh, looming ahead. Now, I am certainly uh, somebody who believes that financial centers uh, have a strong future and that uh, finance is an important place in the world. But I do anticipate some significant changes in the physical geography that underpins them. I'd like to conclude uh, just with a slide that I think is very important. When we give these presentations, people say, well, that's great. You've bombarded us with statistics. What does it all mean, really? And I think this is uh, what I'll be looking for, particularly in GFCI 29 and 30, is the changing landscape of trade. Uh, we've uh, seen a lot of changes in trade over the last year. We could talk about some of the incidents, Huawei, Hong Kong, uh, Brexit. There's a lot going on out there. But over time, uh, the one thing that we've noticed is the biggest strategy for success is to treat all comers fairly. And if you do that uh, through things like making sure that it's easy to set up a business, making sure uh, profits can be repatriated, making sure taxation is equal, easy visa access, you tend to do very well. And uh, this is still the enduring element of a financial center. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Um, 
if I could invite also uh, Professor Zhang and Mr. Kim to uh, join us um, on the panel. Um, we do have some questions um, to, uh, to the panel, um, and I will field those as best I can. Um, so the first question, I think, is probably for myself and for Michael, um, asking or just making the point that politics do not, don't seem to have an impact on GFCI ratings, and I guess asking for our, our comments on that. Um, and I think it depends on, for me, on how you uh, look at political impact. Um, it does seem that financial services um, are seen almost to be outside of the political landscape unless politics is having an effect on economic development in a country or, or um, elements of social unrest or trade strength. Um, so what financial commentators look at, I think, is rather than the, the raw politics of what's going on, they look at uh, whether that politics is having an impact on the financial indicators that really matter. Um, and so we do see people responding, I think, to politics, but at one remove uh, when they see the impact of the political decisions uh, coming through to the economic infrastructure and measures uh, which make a difference. Um, I don't know whether other members of the panel would like to comment on that question. You know, is politics a factor um, which is affecting uh, financial centres' credibility? Well, I, I might add to that, Mike. I, I think it's it's very uh, early days, really, in the COVID era, and we're seeing a, a tremendous amount of quantitative easing of various forms, asset support. And so this boom in financial services over the past six months is very clearly due to the politics and almost a side effect of it. So uh, I think there's a long way to go there. So I, I believe politics has a fundamental effect, but maybe at the moment uh, financial services is a sideline benefiting from current policy directed to something else entirely. Um, a, a question for our colleagues in Seoul. Um, there's a question of what have been the great, great successes and the greatest challenges of the fintech strategy that you have adopted uh, in Seoul. Mr. Kim? Oh,这个大笨蛋，这个大笨蛋。对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，对，
아, 한 3년 동안 지속적으로 핀텍 산업을 육성하고 서울시의 이런 핀텍 밸리와 같은 이런 부분에 대해서 아주 적극적이고 아, 아주 긍정적인 그런, 그런 의지를 가지고 어, 정책을 일관성 있게 추진해 나왔던 것. 이 부분이 사실 서울시의 그 핀텍을, 어, 핀텍 산업들이 최근에 그런 핀텍 랩을 100개나 이렇게 하고 그 다음에 외국 기업들이 핀텍 랩에 들어와서 어, 사무실 개설을 하고는 이런 것과 모두 연관되어서 서울 여의도 금융 중심지를 중심으로 해서 아, 핀텍을 아, 굉장히 육성하고자 하는 이런 부분들이 굉장히 큰 역할을 했다라고 생각을 합니다. So I would like to add some comments regarding Michael's question as well as Deputy Mayor Kim's remarks. So yet it is quite um, astonishing and it's quite a remarkable achievement that Seoul uh, achieved a nine notch higher ranking in this uh, edition of index. The Seoul Metropolitan Government over the past three years has uh, made a lot of efforts to nurture the fintech industry and it has shown a very active commitment to promoting the fintech valley and one of the important thing to note is that it has uh, conducted or implemented a very coherent policy in that regard and that is why we're seeing the results such as the fintech lab Seoul accommodating uh, 100 companies tenant companies and a lot of uh, foreign firms moving into this lab so the Seoul city government has played a very important role and shown a very important commitment to nurturing uh, the financial center of Seoul focused on um, the area of Yeoido. Thank you very much. I'd like to move on. We've got a specific question about the Digital Finance MBA. Um, you know, congratulations from um, the member of the audience who's asking the question for setting up this. But asking in particular, will, will cybersecurity be part of the uh, digital transformation element of the MBA courses, um, and secondly, how the course is funded. What's the mix of government and um, you know, individual funding um, for the digital MBA? Chief 사이버 보안이 굉장히 중요한 요소인 것은 틀림이 없습니다. 그런데 지금 서울시에서 운영하고 있는 그 디지털 금융대학원에서 학위 과정에서는 그 사이버 보안을 전문으로 다루는 영역이 그렇게 그 비중이 크지 않지만 지금 현재 그 핀테크 쪽이나 아니면 금융권에 일하고 있는 사람들을 위한 비학위 그 전문 과정에서는 사이버 보안을 중요한 요소로 다루고 있고요. 그 다음에 그 금융전문대학원이 이번에 처음으로 그 문을 열었음에도 불구하고 경쟁률이 상당히 높았었습니다. 그 이유는 서울에서 정책적으로 서울시와 또그 중앙정부인 금융위원회에서 학생들에게 그 장학금으로 학비 한 50% 정도를 지원해주는 그런 메리트가 있기 때문에 우수한 인력들이 많이 모였습니다. 또 다른 한편 말씀을 드리면 서울 이 부분에 관해서는 서울시 정부가 이번에 그 디지털 금융 전문 대학원을 설치하는데 엄청난 노력과 자원을 어 사실은 투자를 했고요. 또 못지않게 중앙 정부에서도 이 부분에 대해서 노력을 기울이고 있습니다. 지금 현재 정부가 디지털 뉴딜이라는 그런 그큰 캠페인을 지금 벌이면서 어 엄청난 자원을 투입을 하고 있습니다. 매년 약 10, 금년도에 12만 명, 그리고 내년도에 17만 명을 대상으로 해서 금융인들과 비금융인들을 대상으로 한 이런 그 디지털 교육들, 여기에는 디지털 트랜스포메이션에 대응하는 빅데이터, 블록체인, 아, 그 다음에 클라우드, 클라우딩이라든지, 그 다음에 AI와 같은 이런 부분 쪽들을 금융에 접목시키기 위한 그런 교육들을 대대적으로 어, 하고 있고, 이런 부분들이 우리 서울시 정부와 그 다음에 중앙정부가 아, 후업들을 하면서 앞으로 한국의 금융 쪽에 있어서의 그 핀텍 쪽들에 상당한 그런 많은 어, 더 도움을 줄 것으로 생각을 하고 있습니다. 
Yeah, so with regards to the MBA program and uh, the program on the cybersecurity, of course, uh, yes, as you said, cybersecurity is a very important element for fintech. Uh, as of now, uh, I mentioned that in our program, it's divided into degree and non-degree. So degree is the MBA program, and the cybersecurity does not take up a large uh, important portion of that uh, program. However, in the non-degree uh, mastership program, which is provided to financial uh, workers or financial spe specialists, we deal cybersecurity as an important element of that program. And we, as we said, we mentioned that uh, we opened up this financial graduate school for the first time this year, and the enrollment uh, competition rate or competition was very fierce and very intense. So, and we we're able to see a lot of achievements thanks to also the policy of support um, from the Seoul City government, but also the financial supervisory uh, committee. And the support is provided in terms of tuition. So the participants get a 50% funding for their tuition, which serves as a merit to attract a lot of talent to this grad uh, graduate uh, educational program. And Chairman Chang also added that uh, the city, not only the Seoul City government, uh, Seoul City government has made a lot of effort and invested a lot of resources in this uh, educational program, but there were also efforts made by the central uh, government. So the central government announced the Digital New Deal this year, and it announced that it's going to provide a digital education to 120,000 people this year and 170,000 people next year. And when we talk about digital education, it's an education about how to apply digital transformation, big data, uh, blockchain, cloud, and AI to finance. So as you can see, the Seoul City government and the central government are collaborating very closely to nurture the fintech industry as a whole. Oh. As for the funding of this um, financial uh, program, educational program I mentioned about, so it's a 90 billion Korean won of investment over the next four years. 10 billion will be funded by the Seoul City government and 9 billion by the central government. 그 제가 한 가지 질문해도 될까 모르겠습니다. So I would like to also ask one question. 그 이번 그 저기 어 GFCI 편에서 이제 서울시의 그이 순위 상승을 볼수 있어서 그좀 기쁘긴 한데요. 아마도 이제 그 금년 상반기에 전 세계를 강타했던 그 코비드-19의 영향도 일부는 있었을 텐데 아마 그 영향이 충분히 반영된 것 같지는 않습니다. 그런데 어 실제로 보면 이제 핀테크의 경우에도 어 서울의 경우에 어 상당한 기술은 가지고 있었지만 실제 생활에서 응용이 안 되는 그런 아쉬움이 그동안 있었는데 어 역설적으로 그 코로나 바이러스가 이제 심각해지면서 전화로 혹은 그 앱을 통해서 핀테크를 이용해서 주문도 하고 배달 주문도 하면서 그 시장이 굉장히 커지고 있는데 이런 부분들이 이 다음 순위에서는 그러니까 코로나 영향이 뭐 이런 내용들을 포함해서 코로나의 그 영향이 앞으로 있을 그 순위 변화에 어떤 영향을 미칠지 혹시 뭐 전망하는 부분이 있는지가 좀 궁금합니다. So, yes, I am very pleased that the Seoul's ranking uh, went up for the GFCI 28. Um, however, as you may well know, uh, with the outbreak of COVID-19, it is having an impact on uh, financial centers around the world. And I would like to, and I believe that the impact of COVID-19 has not been fully reflected in this edition of the GFCI 28. Seoul indeed had a lot of leading technologies available in the fintech industry in the past, but the difficulties or the challenges that we had were actually applying the very latest technologies to our everyday lives. Uh, but with the spread of COVID-19, uh, people are picking up a lot of fintech services, 
uh, using apps and telephone to order food or have some things delivered to their homes. So there's a lot of pickup in the fintech industry uh, due to the spread of COVID-19 as well. So I would like to know if these kind of trends uh, will, if it continues, will be reflected in the next edition of uh, this index. So, or what are your outlook on this? Mike, shall, shall I pick that up? Um, yeah, sure. Well, it's, a, it's an absolutely excellent question, Mr. Kim. And I think one of the things to be careful of in any index like this is as you rise, you tend to bounce around a lot. You may recall the uh, view of Shanghai over 15 years where it came from being a, effectively not part of the global financial network into rising into number two. But there are a lot of bounces along that way. So rises are often accompanied by falls. Uh, is all I'm warning about there. I think when you look at the effect of COVID-19, you're absolutely correct. We're really only catching the first wave of this. Uh, and if we're six months in uh, and the index is just out and we have, one might argue, at least a year till vaccines are available and possibly uh, substantially longer. Yes, we anticipate a huge change here. Uh, and I personally, um, concerned about what's going to start happening in terms of property prices, uh, commercial versus retail. Uh, and so I think we're going to uh, see a lot more change in the index, uh, but we're going to be seeing, I think, this move to more of a regional cluster. Um, we're, we're, we're running short of time, but I'm going to squeeze a few more questions in, if I may. Um, one, I guess, to Michael, um, saying, you know, noting that London is going back a lot of what it had lost in GFCI 26 and 27. Um, what do you think have been the main drivers of that, of that uptick? Right. Well, well, the first is it's a good example of the bounce back. So um, uh, people tend to make too much. We're humans. So we, we see a list of numbers and we want to know who's number one and number two. And actually, I tend to look at the ratings. Um, any and on a thousand point scale, a movement of greater than 20 needs a good look at. Below that, I see it as noise. However, in this case, London did rise 24 points, and I think there were a few things about it. Uh, one is uh, the infrastructure in London, which has widely been seen to be not top-notch, particularly in terms of broadband, actually functioned very well. So the working from home infrastructure functioned brilliantly. Second thing is we saw increased productivity. Uh, people were gaining, and London is an intense commuter city, uh, people are losing uh, an hour to two hours a day in travel, let alone preparation, and suddenly those hours are freed up. So I think that was a that was a big element of it. Uh, and some of the cost base in financial services actually dropped. Uh, and all of this combined, of course, as we were talking earlier, with a huge government injection of uh, cash into the monetary system, therefore creating a bumper year in asset prices. So. Uh, I think you know any of those things could change quite soon, and so Mr. Kim's right. We're at a very early stage in this. Um, just very briefly, I'm going to comment on two questions we've had. In one about uh, what are the most significant reasons for Shanghai's um, improvement, um, and I think the, the the thing to take from Shanghai, and in the full published report of GFCI 28, we actually have a supplement uh, based on Shanghai um, as a financial centre. Um, because it is a notable center in terms of its improvement over time. And I think it is because Shanghai has been the center of China's engagement with the real economy, um, both in terms of trade, um, finance, in, you know, insurance, managing the internal uh, infrastructure development within China and some of Chinese investments overseas. And Shanghai has been seen as the place where that link happened between China's economic growth um, and investment uh, from the world and out into the world. Um, from China. So that's a very short answer, but um, do read the supplement that's in GFCI 28 in the full report for more details about Shanghai. Uh, the second question was about Tokyo's position in the fintech rating because it fell quite significantly. Um, and I think that the fintech ratings are quite new. And as Michael was saying, um, centers will tend to move up and down a bit. Um, and I think what has happened in this edition is not so much that fintech has fallen back, but other centers' strengths have really come through. Um, and so maybe you're overtaken in the rankings um, in this edition. But we'll be watching very carefully um, the fintech rankings because all the financial centers in the world that I talk to at the moment um, talk to me about fintech. Um, it is the one thing where financial centers are looking for competitive advantage, looking to uh, attract talent, uh, mm -hmm. looking to be the best. 
Um, and so we'll be looking very carefully to see um, how that competition between financial centres uh, plays out as we go forward. Hmm. Um, I'm really sorry that's all we have time for today. We're five minutes over time and thank you very much for those um, who have um, continued with us. Uh, it's been a fascinating occasion. Um, I just wanted to say we've had one comment in the questions uh, just saying um, it's a fascinating presentation, particularly in the current trouble circumstances. Uh, so please pass on uh, my thanks to the speakers uh, for that. Um, we are launching obviously uh, today GFCI 28, um, uh, which we produce in partnership with the China Development Institute uh, in Shenzhen, um, who are doing their own launch in China um, at the same time as we're launching uh, the English edition here. Um, but we also are already starting to look forward to GFCI 29, which will be published uh, in March uh, 2021, um, when things may have changed in the world and we may uh, actually be able to visit each other, um, at least to some limited extent. Um, and so we are looking forward to GFCI 29. Uh, do take part in the GFCI survey. The details are on the screen here. Uh, we will uh, let you have, after this event, uh, a link to uh, a recording of this uh, event so that you can uh, watch it again because it was so good, or you can share it with your friends. Um, and we'll also, of course, in that, um, share a copy or uh, a link to where you can find a copy of these slides um, to take it forward. Just remains for me, um, we ought to, on this occasion, have a very large round of applause um, for our distinguished speakers today, uh, Vice Mayor Kim, Professor Yang, um, Professor Michael Manelli. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have an audience able to offer uh, a large round of applause, so you'll have to have a very small <laughs> round of applause. Um, my sincere thanks. My sincere thanks to you all. Um, and uh, my thanks also to the audience. Uh, do keep in touch and um, do ask any questions you have by email uh, after the event. Uh, many thanks indeed, um, and have a very good weekend all. Bye. Be safe. Bye -bye. <laughs>